Amen. It is an honor to stand before you today. And it is so awesome to be back in Stockholm, Sweden. Amen. As they say, Borta bra, men hemma bäst. Because Sweden is home. And this city does feel like home. Uh, I'm so grateful just to see, see the family. Uh, of course, yesterday we had just a great time uh, to spend time with both the mission team and those who had been in Stockholm before. And uh, just to really hang out, to, to hear stories. Uh, it was awesome to get to know Yelena, uh, because now that she had uh, been here, but not really met her in person, so it was wonderful just to speak to her, get to know her. Uh, the, the disciples making barbecue, eating food, you know, which yeah. released the kingdom of God. Yeah. You know, in the kingdom of God, there is a lot of food. Yeah. Uh, so that was, uh, that was an awesome, awesome time. And I'm just, uh, just so grateful just to be back home and really to build up the kingdom of God yeah. here in Stockholm. The title for the lesson today is Restoring God's Dream. Restoring God's Dream. Of course, we have just come back from a conference called The Dream. <laughs> but the dream really is the dream of God. That ultimately God is the one who is the greatest dreamer. God is the one who has a dream for every single person here today. He has a dream. He has a plan for your life. What he wants you to accomplish and live out. And ultimately, the dream of God is for the whole world. Yep. It's not just for central Stockholm. No. <laughs> it's not even just for Stockholm, not even just for Sweden. No. But it is a worldwide vision, a worldwide plan. Yep. My first point today is the call to restore. The call to restore. Let us go to Ezra chapter 1. On, We're going to keep it old school today. Nice. <laughs> There's no school like the old school. Gonna go to Ezra chapter 1. Let's go. <coughs> Ezra chapter 1. The date is roughly 536 BC. And it says in verse 1 In the day of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to put it in writing. And we see here how it mentions the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. So it came through a man, but it was not the word of man. It was the word of God. And I pray that today you hear the word of God, not the word of man. Of course, the prophet Jeremiah had spoken in Jeremiah 25, 11 to 12, in 605 BC, during the first year of King Nebuchadnezzar. And it says in Jeremiah 25, 11 and 12, it reads, this whole country will become a desolate wasteland. And these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. But when the 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and his nation, the land of the Babylonians, for their guilt, declares the Lord. And we'll make it desolate forever. And indeed, there is no Babylonian kingdom. It's been destroyed, never to be rebuilt. So after 70 years, the Babylonians were punished, and the last Babylonian king, Belshazzar, was taken out. And now Darius the Mede and Cyrus the Great, they became co-regents of this new world, power the Medo-Persian Empire. And of course, the reference in Ezra 1 is to the well-known prophecy from Jeremiah 29, where it says in verse 10, 
This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That's an awesome plan, amen? Yeah. Plans to give you hope and the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Yeah. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So the people of God were allowed to return to their home country to go back home, amen? And when Darius the Mede, who is known in history as Cyaxarius II, he passed away, then Cyrus became the sole ruler of the Medo-Persian Empire. Let's keep reading here, verse 2. Ezra 1, verse 2. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him, at Jerusalem in Judah. Now, how would the pagan king Cyrus know that the God of the Bible has appointed him to restore God's temple? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Isaiah 44. <laughs> Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44. And it says in verse 24. And it reads, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who has made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself, who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners, who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense. I mean, aren't we being taught a lot of nonsense in our day and age? The universe came from nothing. Believe it if you can. Nonsense. Who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers. Who says of Jerusalem, it shall be inhabited. Of the towns of Judah, they shall be built. And of the ruins, I will restore them. Who says to the watery deep, be dry, and I will dry up your streams. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt. And of the temple, let its foundations be laid. And now Isaiah, he prophesied between about 740 to 681 BC. So that is 100 years before the temple was actually destroyed. And about 150 years before King Cyrus came to power. So basically, the scriptures mention King Cyrus by name 150 years before he came. And it was prophesied that the temple would be rebuilt 200 years before it happened. Wow. I mean, doesn't this build your faith in the word of God? Yeah. Just to see how God knew and God spoke through his prophet. Now, Jeremiah couldn't have known about what would happen in 70 years, but God did. Isaiah couldn't have known that the temple would be rebuilt. He wouldn't have known about King Cyrus, but God did. You see, we got to have conviction about the word of God. Because whatever God says becomes reality. Yeah. 
And we've got to have the conviction, if God says it, that settles it, because that's the word of God. Let's turn back to Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1. There is no school like the old school. Gotta love Ezra. So it says in Ezra chapter 1, verse 3. Any one of his people among you, may his squad be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build a temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. And the people of any place where survivors may now be living are to provide him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. So Cyrus hears about the prophecy about himself that was written about him 150 years before him by name. Yeah. And Cyrus goes, okay, I'm a believer. Because that's, I see myself in the scriptures. And then he did what the scriptures call him to do. And now we see here that Cyrus, he talks about the God who is in Jerusalem. You see, Cyrus, he believed in territorial gods. Now for us, we don't believe in a territorial God. We don't believe in a God who is mighty in Manila, but not in Stockholm. We don't believe a God who is fruitful in Florida, but not in Stockholm. A God who is loving in London, but not in Stockholm. You see, we don't believe a territorial God. We believe in a universal God. The God is the same everywhere, in every single place. And he talks about the survivors, wherever they may be. And that is what the Bible calls a remnant. Those are the people who survived. Because most of the people, because of their disobedience to God, were taken out by the sword, by famine, ultimately, because they weren't obeying Jesus Christ. They weren't obeying God. And the ones who survived, that is what is called the remnant. Because they weren't taken out, they survived through everything here. Amen. And even for us as a mission team, we are indebted to those who were here before us who started gathering God's people here in Stockholm. Yeah. Valiant disciples. I think of Eric of Clint. Because it was also his stance for keeping the dream alive that allowed us even to have a group here in Stockholm this very day. So disciples like, like that ought to be praised and commended. And of course, God allowed the wonderful Michelle, who was baptized in our former fellowship, to get restored, and of course, God brought them together, amen. So we are so, so grateful for your loyalty to God, uh, for your stance for God, to keep the dream of God alive through anything and everything. And then, of course, we have Chris Salmi, who was baptized in our former fellowship. Now, he got restored in the beginning of 2020, amen. Not only did he get restored, but he went ahead and he baptized his mom, Mama Maria. Which, of course, is an incredible victory for God. But God wants us to go from surviving to thriving. So that the kingdom would be built up. Let's read on, verse 5. It says, Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. So there were some who heard the message, but whose heart was not moved. Those whose hearts was moved, they went, okay, we got to go back home. We got to take the call of God seriously. We got to go up and build God's temple once more. 
And I pray that your heart is moved today to build up God's temple here in Stockholm and God's temple all, all around Northern Europe. It says, verse 6, All the neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts, in addition to all the free will offerings. Because really, you see, there are two ways to go about it. One thing is to go and grow. <laughs> the other thing is to stay and pay. <laughs> and we see that those who stayed, because they had the option of going back, but they were like, I don't want to go back. I want to stay, stay here in this country. I don't want to go back home. I don't want to go back to the land of God. But what they did was that they, they paid, they supported financially those who went. And of course, for everybody who came on the mission team, they got the one suitcase challenge. Now, when Jesus sent out his apostles, he gave them the no suitcase challenge, no back. Okay, so, so we, we got the one suitcase challenge, amen. And, and when we started packing our things in London, uh, my amazing wife, she gave me the half the suitcase challenge. And said, okay, this half of the luggage is for your stuff. Make it happen. So we got the half the suitcase challenge, amen. That was, that was a challenge. So we got, to, we got to throw away a lot of stuff. And you know, like, you know, you have this, like, shirt that you really love. It has, like, holes in it. But you had it for years. So it has, like, the sentimental value. So my, uh, my wife got rid of those things. So, uh, so there was no, no, uh, no space for sentimentality. But, you know, and, and again, not to throw anyone under the bus, but uh, a couple of our dear sisters on the mission team, uh, they pushed the second suitcase as well. Amen. Amen. There is, there is grace in the kingdom. We're still family. We still love you. Uh, but on a serious note, it takes being sold out to be sent out. How would you feel if you got the calling before this year is over, you have to move? Move countries, you get to take one suitcase. Perhaps you would find that a little bit challenging. So how do we balance that out? Because those who haven't moved countries recently, we got to have the same level of commitment. Yeah. So whether we go, whether we stay, we all got to be all in. We all got to be fully committed. Yeah. Stay and pay. And really, finances are one of the biggest challenges currently. Because, again, we're a tiny group with great visions for God. And again, there have been times where uh, we just haven't had enough workers. And there is a need for us to work less so that we can be available more for the work of God. Now is not the time anymore. But again, the people who are to get paid as little as possible, to be free as much as possible, that is the interns in the church. And again, there is a reason why they are interns in a church. Uh, because ultimately, they are effective at winning souls. We call it personal fruit, meaning you personally meet somebody who becomes a disciple. I think a disciple who has set a great example in this is uh, Shani Brave. Her name is Shani Kay. We call her Shani Brave. Uh, personal fruitful at least three times this past year. I think of Liam, he met a five-talent uh, Imperial College student who got baptized. And again, another university student, Liam Baptist, last year, Meso, he's been growing up and raising up in a great way. Uh, and again, Liam's hard work on the art of, of the church, again, it has changed the whole European world sector. I think of Gustav, he baptized an awesome university student called Stelian. And Stelian actually came out from the LGBT community. Uh, he actually left his homosexual lifestyle behind. Yeah. And Stelian himself has shared about it personally and said, okay, I bought into the lies of this world. 
because the world told me that I'm gay because I have same-sex attraction. But he says, that is not my identity, that's not who I really am. I'm not gay. Yeah. You see, attraction doesn't have to be action. No, and even if you have been born that way, you can be born again. Yeah. Because we believe in born again, not porn again. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And we believe in biblical LGBT, which comes from Romans 3, 4, let God be true Woo! LGBT. So again, Gustav met him, studied the Bible with him, and also mentored him. We call that discipling. And again, he's doing great. Uh, Ash and I, we, we, of course, have had the honor of training the mission team members. Amen. Yeah. And we actually prayed to be fruitful as a married couple between the Global Leadership Conference and the European Missions Conference. You know, because we don't believe that when you get married, you're just going to watch Netflix and, and gain weight. Amen. No. That's, uh, the, that's not the vision for a, uh, for a marriage in this church. And again, God answered our prayers as we got to uh, meet and study the Bible with this beautiful girl, Amelia. Yeah. And she's, uh, she's a wonderful sister. Uh, so uh, in our Bible talk, she just turned 21 years old. Uh, and she became an incredible disciple in the London Church, amen? Uh, with the ambition to study in the International College of Christian Ministries in the near future. And praise God, because Amelia's dad has started studying the Bible, and God willing, will be baptized as a disciple next weekend. So if someone is an intern in the church, there is a reason why they are an intern in a church. So really, my challenge based on this point is simple. If you're currently not an intern in the church, get a full-time job, amen? amen? Because one of our biggest needs right now is the finances to carry on the work of the church. And ultimately, God has called us to restore the Bible church, yeah. to come back to the foundation of the Word of God. Amen. That is what Cyrus saw, and he understood it. And the prayer that you see, and you understand it, and you live according to it. Let us go to Ezra chapter 3. Our second point is restoring biblical worship. Restoring biblical worship. In chapter 2, it makes a quick comment in verse 64, that the whole company numbered 42,360, and they had about 7,000 slaves. So you had about 50,000 people who returned from the exiles. And we read in Ezra 3, verse 1. It says, When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled as one man in Jerusalem. Then Jeshua, son of Josedach, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and his associates began to build the altar of the God of Israel, to sacrifice burnt offerings on it, in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Despite the fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and the evening sacrifices. Then in accordance with what is written, they celebrated the feast of tabernacles with the required numbers of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. After that, they presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifices, and the sacrifices for all the appointed feasts of the Lord, as well as those brought as free will offerings to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. So ultimately, what are we here to do? It is really a startup. <laughs> That's how it is, a startup. And a startup, what do you have? You, you start up in a garage, on this like dinky old computer, you know, and you just like start, start the company out. 
you start doing sales, you know, you, 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 you put your phone number out there, you get a call, it's like, hi, this is company so-and-so. Oh yeah, uh, can I speak to the uh, CEO? Yeah, it's just, just a moment. <coughs> yeah, this is the CEO, you know, same person, okay? <laughs> because you just don't have the resources. Now, when you go corporate, it's very different. Okay, so you speak to the secretary, you know, you may get to the CEO. But again, there is, there is a whole level of, of structure because it's been built up. But that is not the case of a startup. So we gotta understand where we are right now, we are not corporate, we are a startup. Amen. Which means we just have to scramble. We just have to figure things out. Okay, how are we gonna make the singing work? How are we gonna make the uh, kids kingdom work? How are we gonna make, the, I mean, everything, okay? Because we aren't so many. And we gotta have the mindset of a startup we're just starting up a, uh, not a company, but a company of profits, really. Amen. So, and we gotta understand what is the thing that comes first. Because before they even laid the foundation of the temple, what did they build? They built up the altar. Yeah. The altar of God. Yeah. And what is the altar meant to do? It is meant to alter something in you. That's what the altar does. It is about the worship of God. And of course now, even when Ashley and I moved to London, uh, three months after the whole pandemic began. And again, really, everything was turned upside down. But also, never before historically have churches been closed. Not even during the Black Plague. Men like Martin Luther were just out there, God's gonna protect me, I'm gonna help people anyway. So it was unprecedented for churches to be closed. So our church is one of the ones that made an appeal to the government, hey, we got to keep worshiping God. And, and actually, the government responded positively to our request, and we got to keep meeting as a church, one of the few. Uh, because ultimately, you cannot stop us from worshiping God. You cannot stop our worship. And before you can even think about building up the church of God, you got to build up a personal worship. How is your worship of God? Heaven is all about worship. If you don't want to worship God on earth, what are you going to do in heaven? Why would you want to go there? Because it's going to be about the worship of God. Now the thing with the altar is that the altar has to be built. It doesn't build itself. It doesn't come naturally for us to worship God. That's not just who we are. But again, we've got to learn how to worship God. How to sing to Him. How to praise Him. How to thank Him when I don't feel like praising Him. When I don't feel like thanking Him. Because again, we're here to worship God. And God deserves to be worshipped any time, on your good day and on your bad day. Yeah. Because God is the same. So again, we got to be true worshippers. And you see that they did it, it says in verse 3, despite their fear. <laughs> they built the altar. So despite their, their fear, they, they did it. And ultimately, you know, Sweden, what is it known for? It's not known for its worship. Not at all. Right now, after China and Japan, Sweden is the third most atheistic country. Wow. So again, it is a godless place. And people will think you're weird for worshipping God. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why are you being so loud? Why are you being so joyful? What's wrong with you? Just, just take it easy, you know. You can believe what you want, just don't be public about it. But sin is public. You walk around the city, people drunk, high, uh, just sin all around. So people are public about their sin, but you cannot be public about your worship. So again, the world is trying to shut us down. So don't let anything stand in the way of your worship of God. We all have fear at times, but don't let fear have you. When you're afraid, do it afraid. That's what they did. Despite the fear, they built. Despite your fear, 
worship God. Despite the fear, share your faith. Despite the fear, be public about faith. Despite the fear, build God's church. Despite the fear, get a better paying job, amen? But afraid, do it afraid. We gotta worship God here in Stockholm. I'm fired up. You don't have to be fired up. That's, that's okay. That's, that's okay. I'm fired up. I'm here to worship God, amen. As the saying goes, how selfish is the person for whom God is not enough? Because if worshiping God isn't enough for you, what will be enough for you then? What do you worship? Yourself? What makes you so awesome? Worship baptisms? If that's where, where you get your joy from, you're in for a while, right? <laughs> I mean, man, the baptisms are a lot of work yeah. to help somebody get baptized. Of course, it was uh, great to hear about uh, Christopher being the one who actually met Chris Salmi, started the Bible with him and baptized him, amen? So that is, uh, that is an incredible legacy to have. But ultimately, that's not where our joy comes from. Yeah, there is joy attached to it. When a child is born into family, that is a joyous occasion. Now, if you ever have been a parent, you know that's a lot of work, though. <laughs> Taking care of the child, sleep is nice, changing diaper, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. So ultimately, that cannot be the source of our joy. And we've got to have the conviction, if a disciple is not happy, it's because they're not seeking God wholeheartedly. It is a worship of God issue. You see here, they celebrated, it says, in verse 4, the Feast of Tabernacles. And that is something we've got to restore biblical joy. Not because of baptisms, not because you are awesome but because our name's written down in heaven, Amen. if you are a true disciple today. And if you're not a true disciple, make steps to either get restored, because God's dream hasn't died anywhere. God's dream is still alive, and God wants you to be a dreamer. Even if you haven't been a dreamer for some time, come back and start following the dream again. Amen. If you haven't become a true disciple, make the steps. Start the Bible with the individual who invited you out. And again, let yourself be made into a disciple so that we can see the glory of God grow here in Stockholm. You see, all of our horizontal issues are vertical issues. The issues you have with people, they're really a reflection of your relationship with God. So if there is bitterness, which really is more common amongst those who have been around a longer time, <laughs> because they have been hurt more, they have gone through more. And bitterness is understandable, uh, because we have all been hurt, we have all been unjustly treated. So we know how it feels like. But bitterness is completely unacceptable. It is understandable, but it's not acceptable because it's sin against God. And in fact, the sin, it will spread and it will kill the whole body. Bitterness is called like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And really, we haven't dealt with bitterness very much in London, I would say. Uh, but again, we, we got to make sure there is no bitterness in the hearts of the disciples here in Stockholm. Because bitter old people were once bitter young people. <laughs> They just grew old, and they never dealt with the bitterness. If you're young, you don't have so much to be bitter about, amen? amen. But again, older people, they have experienced more, and they feel entitled to bitterness. But bitterness will make you miss the grace of God. Yep. Is there someone in this room you are not close to? Is there coldness between you and anyone here? Because again, our theme is bold, not cold. Amen. So we cannot have coldness in the family of God. And you've got to sort out those issues today. Do not miss out on the grace of God. How are you going to do all that? The worship of God. 
Because the worship of God will enable you to do things you couldn't do on your own. And really, for me, that was one of the main things I actually learned in London, which really was just the worship of God. Because you're going to be high, you're going to be low, you're going to do awesome, you're going to do terrible, you're going to be in both those places again. So like that cannot be where joy comes from. But the worship of God. Worship God no matter what. So this coming week, let's really go after our worship of God. Uh, When we have quiet times, there's this acronym that we use, which is called SOAP. (laughs) And that stands for Scripture. So the Scripture you read in the Bible. O stands for Observation. What do you see in the Scripture? Application has to do with how does this apply to you? Because you read a text 2,000 years or more old, now what does this have to do with you? And practical, what are you going to do about it? Because James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So again, we got to do something based on what we read. So this coming week, let us be ready to share practicals that you took from a quiet time every single day. What are you going to do about based on what you read? Let's be ready to share those things. Amen? Amen. Thirdly, restoring God's church. Restoring God's church. Let's read on from verse 7 here. That's our last point. And it says, Then they gave money to the masons and carpenters, and gave food and drink and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre, so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa, as authorized by Cyrus, king of Persia. In the second month of the second year after the arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, Cheshua, son of Josedach, and the rest of their brothers, the priests and the Levites, and all who had refused, uh, sorry, returned from their captivity to Jerusalem, began the work, appointing Levites 20 years of age and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. So you see that those leaders, they supervised the building. <laughs> so ultimately, who's going to be doing the work? You're going to be doing the work. Yeah. Because, okay, hey amen, mission team is here. Now it's time to take it easy. No, 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 no. <laughs> now it's time to get to work, amen, yeah. so that we can build up the temple of God. Yeah. Verse 9, Jeshua and his sons and brothers and Cadmiel and his sons, descendants of Horavaya, and the sons of Hanadat, and all the names you wouldn't call your sons, amen, yeah. and the sons and the brothers, all Levites, joined together in supervising those working on the house of God. And now it comes, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols, took their places to praise the Lord, as prescribed by David, king of Israel. So you see that the temple foundation was laid. Because when you start building a new temple, you need a new foundation. So ultimately, what are we here to do is not to build on a foundation, but it is to lay a foundation. How things are going to be. Again, we are a startup, so we are establishing how things are going to look like. And of course, we know from... 1 Corinthians 3.11, that for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the foundation. But again, we think that we are per default building on the foundation of Jesus. That is not the case. Because if you think you have arrived, you will never get there. We got to restore biblical zeal, amen, in the church of God. We got to restore biblical worship. We got to restore biblical fruitfulness. We got to restore biblical discipling, biblical marriages, and we have to keep restoring because otherwise we're not going to get there. So we got to keep building on the foundation. So we're here to lay the foundation. 
verse 11. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. He is love and just forever. Something like that, something like that. They started praising and thanking God, amen. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord. How about we give a great shout of praise to the Lord? Yeah. One, two, three. Yeah! Great shout of praise because we're fired up in God. Because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So again, we have laid the foundation that we're going to be building on. And again, it's a joyous occasion. Because we know that God's temple is being built up. Now it says in verse 12, But many of the older priests, okay, and Levites and the family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud. <laughs> when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, but many others shouted with for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. So the people who had seen the former temple that King Solomon built, it was a magnificent structure. The whole temple was baptized in gold. That's how rich, that's how magnificent it was. Whereas when the temple was destroyed, and now the people came back from captivity, they started building with charred stones. Because the city had been burned and torn down. So when the old ones who had seen the former temple saw the foundation of the new one, they cried. <laughs> because it was nothing like the glory they had seen in their past. And of course for us, we have the former fellowship that some of us come out of, like Eric, Michelle, Chris. Christopher. So, who saw the former fellowship in its glory? Yeah. And just how, how big things got. Like we're talking thousands of disciples in Europe. So, and again, when we're starting to build here in this, I like this room, but it's a dinky little room, amen? Yeah. <laughs> and you see, but where is the glory? <laughs> but God promises in Haggai that the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. So even as it may seem like nothing at this point, nevertheless, we know that the glory of God will reside in us as we are fully committed to God. And because of that, God will bless the work of our hands and we can bring, build up a glorious temple where the Spirit of God can reside. And it's going to be more glorious than the former house. So ultimately, we're going to be loud for God. So that they're crying, they're shouting, it was heard from far away. Yeah. Because again, the world is loud about sin. We got to be loud about God, amen? Yeah, amen? Let's go to Acts 2 and wrap it up here. On, Acts 2. Acts 2. Just laying the foundation. Laying the foundation. Acts 2. And here Peter preached to the thousands in Jerusalem. <coughs> and it says in verse 40, With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So he called them to get saved, amen? amen. Those who accepted his message were baptized, because that's how you get saved. And about 3,000 were added to the number that day. 
I mean, we get fired up about one baptism, yeah. two baptisms, 3,000 baptisms. I mean, it was glorious. Yeah. And that was the beginning of the church. That was the beginning of the kingdom of God. Uh -huh. And verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. You had 120 leaders that Acts 1 talks about, and then to their number, 3,000 were added. But you actually couldn't then distinguish between the 3,000 and the 120 because they were all fully devoted. And really, this has to be the case for us as well. Whether we were coming here as a mission team, whether we were in Stockholm before, there cannot be anything to distinguish us. Because a disciple is a disciple no matter what. We all got to be disciples of Christ. And again, so, so, so it cannot be any more mission team and the Stockholm group, but it's going to be one Stockholm ICC, amen? Oh, the kingdom of God. And of course, we are grateful for all the veterans who have laid the foundation for us because we wouldn't be here without the sacrifice. We wouldn't be here without those who are part of the former fellowship. But we got to carry on the work from here because Scandinavia is not being evangelized. There is no true disciples being made. And so even as our former fellowship started, at some point they stopped. And they stopped making disciples. And they stopped living as disciples. So ultimately, we are here to carry on the work of God. And anybody who wants to join, it will be glorious. Which makes me the leader of the ICSC. They haven't realized yet, but they will. Because ultimately, God has given us this area to evangelize. So I'm grateful for the old disciples who have kept the dream alive. But we're here to build up the kingdom culture. And it says here, verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. <laughs> so we got to have the awe of God burning inside of us. Amen. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Why? Because they had become family and to take care of family. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes, being hospitable, amen, meeting at each other's uh -huh. place, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Again, because they were seeking out wholeheartedly. Yeah. They were glad. They were praising God. Mm. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Because if you have 3,000 people who are fired up, loving, enjoying each other's company, yeah. what do you say to that, really? Yeah. <laughs> they were excited for God. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. And ultimately, that is what we're here to build. We're here to build the kingdom of God. Amen. Not the American culture. No not the Estonian culture. No. You will probably know what it means very much. <laughs> not the Swedish culture. No. But we're here to build the kingdom culture. Amen. Because we're building up the kingdom of God. Yes. We are not the Swedish church. No. We have the Swedish church in Sweden. Amen. Uh, you can have a lesbian bishop married to gay priests, none of whom believe in God. If that's what you're into, go ahead. You can join that. That's okay. Now, if you want the Bible church, we're going to be building things biblically, amen, yeah. according to the word of God. We've got to build up a culture of fruitfulness. Yeah. Again, today, no baptisms, that's not the culture of the kingdom. We've got to start baptizing souls. Yeah. Because what is the kingdom culture? Well, the Lord added the number daily, those who are being saved. Daily additions, daily baptisms. It'll take us some time to get to that point, but let us start with weekly baptisms, with weekly additions. Place membership, uh, restoration baptism, 
weekly editions. Yeah. Let's get to that point. And again, it is kind of stop being cool to be unfruitful. Like, yeah, 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 it's, it's no, no, like, how, how is it going? Because as if you remain in Christ, you'll bear much fruit. What is the issue? How is your walk with God? So if you're okay with being fruitful, I'll pray for you. But again, there is an issue. Uh, I'm so grateful for, that, for, for the church and just, uh, just being back with the family. I think the disciples like, like Georgia. I mean, uh, Georgia, she's, she's amazing. I mean, doctor, just doctor, that's, that's it. You know, just, you know, on a free time, became a doctor. Um, George reads books like nobody else. Like, since that was like 10 minutes, how did you read the book already? Uh, more fit than 95% of the campus students in Stockholm. Uh, stronger than some of our brothers. She would never say that because she's a godly woman, amen? I guess she does all of that because she has, she has so much free time working as a full-time doctor, a wife and the mother of three young boys. I guess that's just, you know, so much, so much free time to do all of that. But she sets a great example of being a fit church, not a fat church. Amen? Because we're not here to build the overweight ICC and definitely not the obese ICC. Stockholm is a fit city. And we got to be examples as disciples. People should want to be like you when they graduate uni. I'm like, okay, now I'm done with my SEO, KTH. Okay, I want to be like you. So we got to set an example as men and women of God. We got to stop being weird. Right? Like there is, the, the, biblically there is no sin of weirdness, but sin will make us weird. If there is just like, there is some weirdness going on. And, and that is the result of sin. So if there is weirdness, there is, there is sin going on. How was it quiet on this morning? <laughs> like, what's, what's, what's going on? How was your racism going? <laughs> like weirdness. Weirdness. But it's the result of sin. So, so again, we, we got to make sure that we all deal with our sin so that we can be fully committed. And again, God wants to evangelize all of this area. Amen. God is the greatest streamer. He has a worldwide vision. We're going to start building regions in Stockholm. Yeah. We're going to have the central region. Yeah. Östermalm, Normal, Kungsholmen, Södermalm. Wow. We're going to have the north region. Bromma, Schista, Hesselby. We're going to have the south region. Pasta, Elfö, Schärholmen. So who are going to be the region leaders? Who are going to be the sector leaders. What are people who are going to be raising up as men and women of God? Let us pray to finish the year with 25 disciples. Wow. Just to go into that new year with newfound faith, newfound zeal, and just bringing in the glory of God here in Stockholm. Thank you to God for all the glory. I'm going